This is Fandom Buzz. Today's episode is called Animal Crossing Garth Ennis Crack Ships and a little bit more Sailor Moon. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, hey everyone. everybody! Welcome to episode 15 of Fandom Can't Buzz. We're at episode 15. I know, it's been a consistent kind of thing. It is its own thing. We're probably going to tie this up with our bookish New Year's, right? Because uh, June is coming. Ideally, during non-COVID times, uh, you know, um, we sort of start a bookish New Year with, you know, the book with BA. It's sort of like our year starter, all that kind of thing. So we'll probably uh, take a hiatus in June, a little bit, like a real one, not just because, you know, there's like health stuff and whatever. But uh, for now, uh, during this first sort of inaugural run of Fandom Buzz, it's, this is how it is, and it's pretty cool. And... Uh, Episode 15 is basically um, more of the same. <laughs> I, to say. I don't think anything really changes. It's like we're just hanging out with you guys. Yeah, and it's and again, it's the Alexa Loves Books break room where, where we, we try to not be as professional. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, we're, we're still trying to kind not, of professional. Yeah, but, we don't, but we're not as like, we're going to try to not spoil things. Here we're like, no, they die in the end. That's that's what's the Oh, yes, important about. to remember about Fandom Buzz. Right, if you're new here, welcome. If not, then you, you know, know that the there's drill. spoilers uh, forever. Spoilers this is abound. The... the only exception will be if it is an advanced review copy. We will not do spoilers for that, but anything else is fair game. As, yeah, and, and I guess the only other time would be is if and either one of us is not read or oh, watched. Oh, that too. And we thing. know the other person wants to. Wants to. And so, yeah, that's then we'll sort of hold back there so that we can both, like, rant about it when we're all on the same page. So, on that note, let's uh, get the show started. Let's talk Sounds about some good. bookish buzz. Bookish buzz. Bookish buzz. Bookish buzz. Alrighty, so uh, what is the buzz? What is happening? Okay, we'll save the exciting news that we're both really looking forward to for last. But there are two books that I kind of want to mention really quickly that I learned about this week. So the first book is Amelia Unabridged, and it's by Ashley Shoemaker, and it has this gorgeous, gorgeous cover if you look it up online. So it is about a girl named Amelia Griffin, and she's obsessed with the series of books that's written by a young and reclusive prodigy uh and then she sort of shares that book love series love with her best friend um but their friendship kind of implodes a little bit and so lots of things happen uh eventually the friend dies in a freak car accident and so amelia kind of that's terrible finds herself questioning a lot of things anyway that's amelia unabridged and then the other book that i wanted to talk about is called down comes the night which is by allison Alison Saft, I want to say her name is, uh, and it is like this gothic fantasy novel that sounds really good. Uh, according to the author, the elements in it ha- uh, are uh, lots of pining and enemies to lovers romance, magic that feels like science, sickly Victorian lads, a bi heroine, an only one bed debacle, and a sinister snowy setting. This one is out in 2021, so it's going to be a while away, but no reason we can't get excited about it right now, right? A few other things. I recently did a panel for Asian yeah, that Book was Month, fun. and it was about Asian food and identity, and it was so much fun. So I did it with authors Misa Sugera, uh, Gloria Chow, and Judy Lin, and Roselle Lim, and it was so great. Uh, there it will be a link to the panel on YouTube. It- and if you're catching this early on Thursday, uh, May 14th, I'm going live on Instagram with my friend DJ, who I've known for a lot of years, and we're just going to talk about books and Broadway, all the fun stuff, really, <laughs> that brought us together. Uh, but last and certainly not least, we have to talk about the fact that the BBC is uh, developing the 
Infernal Devices series by Cassandra Clare. That's right. Television. Uh, it's going to be on BBC, it's like BBC Three is picking it up. And it's really exciting news because there's a lot of caution, I guess, in our excitement. Oh, I'm very cautiously optimistic about this. Because the hard part for me is that no one yet has been able to capture the spirit of the Shadowhunters books very well for me. Like, I don't know what it is, but it just never has clicked for me. Not with the film, not with the TV series. They've been like their own Elseworld sort of thing, and that's fine. Uh, I am curious to see how this goes. I have a slightly bigger, like, hope for this. Yeah, mostly because it's, it's British. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's British TV. And British TV, and you know, is, is such a... It's a different animal all on its own, yes, I think. absolutely. I mean, if you look at things like Broadchurch and Downton and, and Doctor, Doctor Who. Who, Sherlock... And just and even with Doctor Who, how they use um, really great actors, right? That wouldn't pass the American standard of, you know, you got to be pretty shiny, whatever kind of deal Hollywood. Uh, you know what I mean? Like everybody's so good looking, and the BBC people look normal. Yes. You know, like they look like like they look like people you would see on the street, and that kind of adds to the and but they're really great actors, uh, and that kind of adds to the whole kind of Absolutely. kind of kind of kind of experience. Right? I mean, sure, they get the shiniest ones to play the leads, but even then, um, you know, everybody looks great. Mm. But at the same time, everybody looks like they're from the everyday, and that adds to the thing. So. Obviously, they're gonna have to be like super, super gorgeous because they're shadow hunters. Like, I, I think that that that's that's prerequisite I think that's number. Just, yeah. You know what I mean? That and a lot of pain. N- not that I necessarily support that. You know, only a societal standard set, you know, kind of look has to be. The, I don't necessarily like buy into that. But narratively speaking, they are descendants of the angels, so that 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 does you know include some kind of chiseled features, blah 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 kind of deal. So, I guess that's mandatory. Um, and, and they're gonna have to find someone Eurasian for Jim. I suppose if they want to honor that whole, he's, he's. Oh, they should. They should. They should. I mean, you know, you like you know, kind of that kind of representation. And a friend of mine just happens to be French and Filipino at the same time. Oh, I love that. And my conversations with him are just like, you know what? Um, since the Power Rangers, like Ninja Storm, no, not Ninja Storm, the Power Rangers, um, Samurai uh, Storm, whatever, sort of came out. Okay. Where in the Japanese it was. Um, the Shinkingers, right, where they're samurai, etc. Whilst for an American-ish kind of, you know, North American audience, they just decided um, all of these multiracial characters are all half Asian. Okay. Which is really great because there's like half Asian and half Hispanic. There's half like Asian that. and half, you know, um, whatever. All the way, the, the whole gamut, right? And he was like, that was the first time I was ever represented, like ever. And I thought, That's oh, awesome. I never. And you never think about these things because when you're from, like, you're just purely like, this is just all that we are. Um, you, you don't have that kind of mindset of am I one of both worlds or whatever so um, so to represent Gem I think would be sort of exciting to see mm, a lot of really wait. great you know opportunities and, Always and of course <laughs> ah, yes the Lightwoods the Lightwoods the Lightwoods anywho so yeah that's that's pretty much that, that that's all kind of I had that's as well for, for, right from a now. bookish sort of perspective as well except I will make a quick note that uh, it is going to be a great year for X-Men this year <laughs> Because literally every single month, a Dawn of X volume is coming out. So June, That's exciting. So June 24, Dawn of X volume 7. July 8, Dawn of X volume 8. And again, these things could change. But the ISBN numbers are like, you know, published already. So I'm like, all right, I guess that's you know, kind of thing. So um, so they're coming. It's just, is it on that date? We don't know. But yeah, volume 11 is on September 1. Volume 12 is September 15. Volume 13 is September 29. September is a great, great X-Men month. And then the rest are coming in October, which is 14 and 15, uh, and then volume 16 in November. So a couple of other X titles coming in November, X of Swords and Juggernaut. I don't even know, man. I mean, 
He's not a mutant, but is he anymore? I don't know. We're just catching up. And help me, I'm hooked. This is the first time I'm actually buying the comics sort of in real time as they drop in a collected for I have I still haven't gone to the point of like every week there's an issue I can't do that because um, that's just way too much like even even mm-hmm. on my Kindle it's murder to organize so I'm so I'm just like we're gonna wait for the collected editions because that's what we're gonna do anywho okay cool now it is time to play some games because we okay. like playing these games well I like playing let's get real I like playing these games uh, we'll see if we're gonna keep them in in, in season two maybe, but maybe not but season one games are gonna start off as always with anywhere but here fiction edition which is uh, the game that we like to play that tells you where we want to be, if we can be somewhere else. Anywhere but here, Fiction Edition. I'm going to go first. I am still on an X-Men high, pretty obviously, but I actually want to be at Hellfire Bay. You heard me. The Hellfire Club is alive and well in the X-Men universe. Emma Frost is the White Queen. Uh, Sebastian Shaw, to nobody's surprise, is the Black King. But they nominated recently a Red Queen, and it is Kate, it is it is Kate Pride, and there is a cove in or a bay in on Krakoa called Hellfire Bay, and that is basically the base of operations of the Hellfire Club, which is the economic and black market arm of the mutant nation of Krakoa. So they're the ones who sort of grease the wheels, uh, represent from an economic perspective, run the run the subsidiaries, the shell companies, etc. And it's super plush. It's super posh. It's all of it's all of the creature comforts of the Hellfire Club, and I kind of want me some of that right now. I do. I kind of want to. And do I choose between uh, where Emma sits? And I forget if it's called the White Castle or I don't know what it is. But the Red Keep, we know that from Game of Thrones. But I think the X Men have co-opted and said no. It belongs to to, to Kitty, and I'm an, I am at Captain Kate's. Like I want to be at Captain Kate's crib. Like that's that's where I want to be. That makes sense. I once again want to be somewhere that actually exists in the real world but i don't want to be there at this particular time period i would like to be in japan specifically i would like to be in tokyo and i would like to be there during the cherry blossom season this is brought on by the fact that i have been watching so much sailor moon and (laughs) there was a recent episode where they were like picnicking in the park and it was sakura season and they all had these mm. bentos which looked great and then there was this other episode where they went into the pastry shop and it was like all you eat, can eat cake and it was great too okay listen clearly i'm being driven by my stomach here i just want to be in japan so i can have japanese food is hey, basically man. what i'm saying so take that as you will hey 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 that's not a bad i i mean i would kill for some ramen guys you would i would we both would takoyaki <laughs> Uh, and, and you are coming from a high from from like from the earlier panel. food yes. panel, right? Is so true? that is it's something. Okay, cool. Alrighty, next game that we're gonna play is called Such a Soundtrack. Such a soundtrack. This is the game that we play where we pick out the most popular tunes that we have listened to in the week, and we want to know us. popular to us, popular to us, and we're like, this is a great story, and or this could totally be like uh, the soundtrack to anything that we're reading, watching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Got anything? Yes, I do actually. Interesting. Go so for it. So I had to review a couple of James Bay things because I did a post last week on my blog where I talked about his latest album. There you go. Uh, but he also released an EP a year or so after the album, I want to say. And there's a song on it called Bad. He actually started playing that when he was on the tour. And the thing is, this one time when I was listening to it, I just like sat there and imagined this entire fan fiction scenario in my head, which is how I know that it would be a great pick for such a soundtrack. 
I mean, because it's like, okay, the the beginning of it goes like, I know it hurts that we don't touch anymore. It's even worse because we built this up from the floor and that it's just as mm. hard for me to know I might see around. It's just as hard for me to worry about reaching out. And it says, the more I think about you, the more I keep the ghost alive. And of course, me being like in fan fiction mode, I'm like, ooh, angst. <laughs> and so like, I imagine the most angsty scenario I could possibly imagine for that. You don't need to know what it, who it was about. But it was just <laughs> very angsty. And I love it. Oh, my God. James Bay songs are just, like, perfect for fan fiction, honestly. And Bad is such a good example of that. So you guys should definitely listen to it if you get a chance. Awesome. My such a soundtrack. I'm going to I'm gonna throw one out that's accessible. I'm going to throw one that maybe, that maybe isn't as accessible to, like, all, every single one that maybe does listen to this channel. Okay. Uh, or this podcast. But um, so we'll start with the inaccessible-ish one, uh, unless you're Filipino. Because over the weekend, uh, a, ju- a local jukebox musical that came out oh, a couple of years ago, I want to say, mm. was streamed live for like a fundraiser for the first time ever, and um, it just, which is sort of like starting a trend now of like Filipino musicals uh, that are sort of just going to be streaming now for for the benefit of this or the benefit of that, et cetera, et cetera. Because that is sort of like the trend now; it's just stream and then donate. And um, the the musical was about uh, a, a couple of like three friends who were sort of going through college for the first time. They uh, meet, um, you know, like like this young uh, girl named Joy, and uh, their lives are intertwined and then unravel. And then upon her death, uh, they come back as adults to sort of you know figure out how do we get there from here, etc. So it's a very poignant, very like polarizing. I I want to even say story, um, for for many reasons. One reason is that obviously there are some you know plot devices that people are like, are we really going to use that plot device to forward the story? But at the same time, it's like this is the symbolism for our nation and what it's going through. On the other side, a little less, uh, a little less like deep, but definitely significant would be, you know, the use of the band's like, you know, uh, I want to say music, which was gritty. And I, I've seen jukebox music, jukebox musicals here in in in, in New York. Yeah. And I'm fresh from Alanis Morissette's, you know, uh, uh, Jagged Little Pill. Still, I mean, such an amazing like they took the same feel, the same gritty music, and they just you know put it in suburban America, and it fit. It was amazing. Um, but not so much with, uh, uh, you know, the, the Eraserheads music. And they're, they're like a local um, grunge pop alternative rock band kind of deal, mm. like the garage band type, right? Um, so and they took all of that out mostly and they made it into sort of like musical form. And a lot of people got bent out of shape. Even I was thrown off a little bit and I'm just like, oh, at first. And I'm like, huh, that's how it works. But there is that one song there called Alapa'ap. It means uh, like the heavens or the sky or whatever. And, you know, it's a song about getting high. Uh, or, it, or, you know, whether you quote me on that or not, you can Google it. It feels like this is about getting high. And it, it, the lyrics are pretty, like the pre-chorus is pretty much, or the chorus is like, you know, look in my eyes. Don't you see that I'm sort of like heading up into the, like the heavens? Mm. It's clearly. They repurposed it for the musical to make it like a merrily we roll along kind of our time dream kind of moment between the three main characters, uh, the boys who, who, are, who are in college. And it was so poignant. And I thought, like, and, and my brain had so much like benign cognitive dissonance where I'm like, oh my gosh, the lyrics when repurposed for, you know, look into my eyes, don't you see that I'm reaching for the sky, right? And I'm there already because I'm seeing that vision and dreaming and getting there. I thought, how beautiful. But then my other brain was like, you know, it's about getting high, dude. So it's kind of like that cat meme where there's that angry housewife who's just like, you know, it's this. And then the cat's just at the table going, it's about getting high. So that's 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 my deal. So I love I love how they repurposed that song, but um, but I've also sort of been tripping on Up and Up by um, Coldplay. 
because uh, and there are two versions right there's the Coldplay version and there's the Lennon and Maisie Stella version Lennon and Maisie are the little kids who are not so little anymore that starred in that um, TV series about like country music and the lives of country stars I think it's called Nashville and um, and they're they're both great. Like I, I just love that there's like a younger thing. I, I've seen the Coldplay version where it's live and they get all of their kids to go up on stage and sing like the you know we're gonna get get it together somehow. And it feels like I need this is the soundtrack to this story today. Like we're up and up. That's 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 where we're ideally going and heading. And so not so much the COVID numbers, but uh, but you know like but the recovery rate and and making sure that we're we are on on the up and up. So that's definitely a end of the story kind of poignant uh way to you know land mm. i want to say cool okay so uh moving forward to our uh, next segment uh where this is still a bookish podcast after all and we <laughs> do want to uh talk about what we're reading right now reading right now so lex what are you reading right now i actually finished both of my books today so i'm not reading anything right now <laughs> however i do plan to start reading the next book in the keeper of the lost city series here we go so that's here we six, go nightfall i was supposed to be buddy reading it with Kristen, but she's way ahead of me now and she is sort of alluding to certain things in it She's not naming anything or doing well, yeah, spoilers, spoilers but are like a thing. she's like, I really need you to read it, so I will read that. But I also finished my audiobook, so I'm thinking of starting the Illuminate audiobook tomorrow, which oh, will hey. be fun, I think. Um, I'm gonna read that and the physical copy sort of at the same time, like just have it on hand to like look at. So that should be fun. Um, and the third thing that I'm gonna start reading is the Poppy War by RF Kong, which will be my ebook. So I'm doing a lot of like mixed media oh, no, no, reading yeah, that, that's that's a lot I like juggling of... the different mediums and i think i'll be able to keep track of everything anyway so those are things i'm planning on reading right now <laughs> i on the other hand am reading retro world volume one the ways of almagil i want to say and um it's a pretty well you know it's a it's a sci-fi saga adopted from the works of uh, julia verlanger or whatever that is apologies i've butchered that name but one of the most uh celebrated authors of french science fiction right um it, it is who is who julia is and um yeah it, it, it's on kindle unlimited it's it starts off with sort of like a kind of like an allusion to star trek where you know there's this kind of primitive world uh, they haven't figured out technology just yet and some you know humans sort of play a part in like the, the the opening and they do some crazy stuff and okay. save some lives blah 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 that kind of deal causes caracas only to sort of only only to take us sort of back to up to space and they're like they're not ready to like transition into like the new times so it gives it that star trekky kind of you know um you know we we there is a larger federation and there's like you know planets that haven't really seen the stars yet but unlike the federation it's like we're gonna you know infiltrate and sort of mess with them a little bit and see if they're ready for us or not so um that's interesting to me um it's a great way to sort of de-stress and this is why kind of it's this is it reminds me of why i don't really dig into science fiction that much because i'm just like but where are the characters that are fun and cool um <laughs> here it's just all oh my gosh it's all so like sleek and then gritty and then sleek and then gritty so I don't know. Um, we'll see what that what that's like. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited to to finish it because um, it broadens the horizons. I want to say, uh, and it makes and it, and I feel like um, it, it'll be a good sort of experience moving forward. Sounds good. Yes, it does. Alrighty. So if you notice, we mix it up a little bit. We are now going to do another segment called New and for Review. New and for Review. And go. 
Okay, so I'm gonna talk about two contemporary romances that I just got access to via NetGalley, which is a great way to access ARCs during this time when it's kind of hard to get stuff in the mail. Um, so the first one is called The Roommate by Rosie Dannon, and I know my friend DJ has read it and loved it. It's basically about this like sort of spoiled socialite rich kid named Clara, and she goes cross country to move in with her childhood crush only to find out that that entire situation is too good to be true and she's instead moving in with a stranger named Josh and uh, let's just say that obviously being roommates can lead to close proximity which can lead to feelings <laughs> being caught. Ha. I also today just got access to Tools of Engagement which is the third book in Tessa Bailey's series. Um, I forgot what the actual series is called. But uh, it's going to be about Bethany Castle, who is the sister of the, who is the older sister of the main heroine of the first book in the series, Fix Her Up. Um, and this book is going to include a reality TV show where the three siblings who are part of their family's construction company have to re like compete against each other to see who can renovate houses better. Um, hi, hello. Adding a reality show element to a story where I already enjoy the characters that are in it. And I have been waiting for this romance since book two, when the love interest was first sort of introduced. Cannot wait to get to it. So I have a lot of good romance reading ahead of me. What about you? What's new on your queue? Well, for me, we well, I, well we got a bunch of uh, books in the mail from, from Peachtree, and they're all middle grade, all very really cool stories. I'm going to start with um, Pretty Funny for a Girl by Rebecca Elliott. And it stars Hayley Swinton, who, you know, basically is awesome. Uh, she wants to be a stand-up comic. She's just growing up like everybody else. But then she's kind of plus size. Her mom's boyfriend is unkind about her, like, her, her body shape. And it's basically a story of her finding that kind of confidence. So I kind of like how, you know, if, if you've got something that people have a problem with, uh, of the most part, and maybe you have a problem with it, too, to find sort of, like, comedy as sort of, like, a refuge or even, which mm. is a, uh, its own kind of art, right? Uh, is great and so for her to begin to resolve that as she grows up is, is super cool uh the most middle grade of them which is uh like this is literally like oh my gosh this is super like lower like on the lower like younger rung of the middle grade spectrum it's called the candy mafia by um uh, i want to say lavi tidahar uh and um and it's basically you know a, it's set in a place where candy is outlawed and nelly folk folker is a 12-year-old private detective itching for her next client. And again, it feels like that middle-grade Nora that I kind of really like uh, because she does get a client uh, by the name of, and get this, Eddie Dementh. <laughs> so it's got that little candy thing going on for it. And uh, and I would assume the shenanigans ensue and uh, because there is a lost teddy bear, etc. And Nellie is on the case. And uh, or rather Nell, sorry, Nell is on the case, and I just want to see what that that turns out to be. Finally, Sing Like No One's Listening is a story about Nettie Delaney. Um, she goes to a prestigious art school that was also like where her superstar mom sort of uh, like was you know studied at, but for whatever reason she can't sing a single note. And so stories about singers are um, special to me because I'm a singer. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see everybody's journey to finding their voice. And with, you know, with the main character here, uh, not being able to sing right away. I don't know if um, Vanessa Jones, who wrote this, is a singer herself in real life. It helps, <laughs> you know, when you draw from experience. Even if it doesn't, uh, even if she doesn't write it. But, but I'm interested to see how, how she, she gets to capture the kind of journey and well, what, what kind of um, artistic path, uh, you know, this, this young lady takes. Okay, cool. 
So in the interest of time, and because I have not streamed anything, and Alexa has been streaming stuff anyway, which could be a good segue to this next game, which is her favorite anyway, and I think she has a lot to say about it, uh, we're just going to go jump straight to Otaku Obsessions. Otaku Obsessions. All right, Lex, you have been uh, obsessing. You have been streaming. Well, Where it, are we now? Well, it's unsurprising. It's going to be the same thing I've been talking about for like four weeks now, three weeks. I don't even know how long it's been. Um, I continued watching Sailor Moon R this week. Uh-huh. We're very near the ending of it now, of that particular season. And the first half of the season, I already mentioned before that I was a little underwhelmed because it's really not that great. But the second half of the season where the actual plot starts kicking in, it's it's pretty good. It's Because very it is technically what the manga was. Exactly. Like, that was not a filler that they were sort of so waiting on. I'm really starting to like fall back in love with it. Not that I ever fell out of love with it while I was watching rewatching that first half. But like <laughs> it just feels like the passion for it has gotten a little stronger again because all of the actual things that I enjoy about Sailor Moon are there and in full force like the whole friendship thing the whole relationship between Endymion and Serenity Mamoru and Usagi are another thing we're going to talk about that later but it's it's just nice to sort of like come back to like the original elements that really drew me into the story and then to have the lore part of it sort of play out now the lore that's actually in the manga so that's been really great and really fun that's what i've been streaming but it's also my otaku obsession because it's now gotten to the point where i'm just like i need to collect all the sailor moon merchandise i need to go buy those eternal editions like when it, when we've come to the point where I want to collect things, that is how you that know is how you know that I have is... crossed back into the threshold of a fandom hole. I'm either digging it or in it. it it's just one or the other. Staying there's, buried underneath it. There's just like no in between there. Right. No. And 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 I would have to say that. Well, I kind of did stream a lot of Sailor Moon sort of with mm-hmm. you as well over the over the weekend and uh, and and am following to the point where my uh, eventual um, you know otaku obsession. Next week, probably, but sort of definitely now would be the Sailor Moon, uh, the Sailor Moon S movie. Uh, you haven't watched it. You probably can't yet, because duh, we're gonna have to wait for actual Sailor Moon S. Have to watch S, all like, of it. Yeah, uh, but um, but but the the DVD is coming tomorrow, I think. So yeah, I, I would say that um, for right now, what my otaku obsession is basically, you know, just time honored tropes uh, of of anime fandom where you've got your series you've got your movies you've got uh your you know shonen this is a power like structure that i'm going to break after it's been well defined to show everybody that i'm so much cooler and then there's the shoujo aspect of it which is traditional and i think even more accessible to the whole world where i think so you know um i'm starting to fall in love and i don't know what these feelings are and this is the thing that matters to me i'm going to fight for it because that's just how it is and so um and and my obsession is putting those two together <laughs> so, uh, which is really what I've been doing, uh, quite literally, in the last uh, week and a half. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much my deal. Uh, Sailor Moon being that, you know, that one particular instance where, oh, you've got all of that, except for the, maybe the fighting. But at least the whole power structure thing there, which, you know, not too complicated. Surprise, surprise, it's always that stick, right? And it's always some kind of moon something, something, something. Several syllables and words, random English words <laughs> in the future uh and the bad guys just blow up it's a one it's a one shot one stop shop kind of deal so anyway there is that uh which leads me to which leads me to and i think you might you might uh i'm interested to know what your take on this is uh now it's time to play that game that birthed this entire podcast because we are shiver trash (laughs) 
uh, this game is called uh, Shipwreck or Ahoy. Shipwreck or Ahoy. So who did you ship this week and did it sail or is it on the rocks? Is it a wreck? Okay, listen. Since we're in <laughs> Sailor Moon mode, we all know that I ship Serenity and Endymion. And in Sailor Moon R, you kind of get to the point where they're now Queen Serenity and King Endymion. So obviously, I still ship those two, and they're doing very well. Thank you. Well, their well, relationship is doing very well. Their circumstances, maybe not, not so, so much. great. However, I have very deeply mixed feelings about <laughs> Mamoru and. Usagi, who are like the modern day 90s counterpart to Serenity. The, the reincarnations. Listen, I think Usagi deserves better treatment than what Mamoru does to her all the time. And yeah. I really will stand by that. It's not necessarily a ship that I want to wreck because I do want them to end up together. But it's the kind where I like want to poke holes and be like, fix it. <laughs> you know, so let's fix just say it. how about how about that ship is like a life raft that isn't very well inflated so it could go down and it does go down on occasion but if you bail it out just enough and you put the patches back in it'll be just as good as new <laughs> so just imagine like endymion, boat. endymion and serenity like in a huge yacht sailing by there and then you have the other two like paddling in the lifeboat that that's basically how i feel about that so i do want them both to sail and they do sail it's just that one of them is kind of a wreck because of the people in it you know yeah coughs mamoru coughs coughs but yeah, that that's currently what's on. I really have a lot of feelings about Mamoru and and Usagi because Mamoru just like made me want to tear my hair out the entire time I was right? catching up on Sailor I mean, Moon. Just... It's so frustrating. You're the older one. You should know better. But and clearly yet, he does he not. Does not. It's not even a thing. Like so... listen, the sheer amount of yelling I did at Maki and Rachel over this, where I was like, he is literally getting in the way. He is literally the worst. And Usagi still loves him despite all of that crap. So, you know, frustration. That That's that's all I got. Well, that's a lot to, to, to have. Uh, Do you like and, how descriptive I got about my it's extre- Well, it's, you're not wrong. Where is the lie in all of that? No, um, I'm going to have to default to uh, 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 some crack ships. <laughs> you would. I totally would. So let's start it's with... It's funny because you like cannons, but you're into crack ships. Right? It's just so weird. Um, because I just like the idea of it, you know, kind of. It, it's just fun. And I like the imagination of it. I, I'm not too fond of supplanting the ships with the crack ships. Uh, you know, like, meaning, you know, people are just like, no, you got to make this happen. And, and people are like, so that's that I'm not too much into. Like, I get that people get passionate about possibility. D- done. I love that. I love it. But, but But I'm not too fond of the whole it's it has to supplant canon however if canon changes around it and it changes in my favor sure why not so um so i'm going to talk about the crack ship card company that created the uh loot fairy um the fairy loot. sorry the fairy loot uh shadow hunters uh like box a, a box edition of the of, of shadow hunters playing cards and for whatever reason king of hearts and Queen of Hearts, and, and by the way, just so you know, the not King of Hearts. Why do you keep saying it's King of Diamonds? King of Diamonds. So King of Diamonds, because uh, the heart one, I, I've disowned, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, there is going to be a a, 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 a an unboxing. Uh, uh, in a book haul coming soon about yep. 
uh, on Alexa Loves Books where we unbox the the, the fairy loot um, sort of like a chain of gold uh, edition um, box. And included in one of the super fun goodies in there is a pack of cards, I want to say, like playing cards, like, you know, with the clubs and the spades and the, the you know, uh, whatever. And on the, the, the royal suits of our, on the royal suits, right, King, Queen, and, and, and Jack, and even aces are, well, the aces are artifacts within the more, uh, more, uh, more mortal instrument, no. Shadowhunters. Yeah, they're in the Shadowhunters world. Uh, specifically, sort of like the past shadow hunters of the the, the, the New York, uh, sorry, of the London Institute, and um, they just happen to print characters on 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 the kings, queens, and jacks. And uh, D- King of Diamonds is Matthew F- uh, Fairchild. Queen of Diamonds is uh, <laughs> Cordelia Carstairs. And I'm like, crack ship ahoy! Here we go. Um, so, and and what's funny is uh, Cassandra Clare has been lovely. Uh, with just 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 divulging some information on on was it Twitter or Tumblr or wherever wherever it is she is, and um, so we're gonna see how that goes. So just wanted to mention that, and uh, I do want to mention uh, Baby Cable and X twenty three. They're both soldiers. They're both sort of experiments, uh, uh, in 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 one way or form or the other. Um, Cable being an experiment in will this work if I send my son to the future so he can avoid a terrible fate. That experiment failed, and then, uh, then there's there's Laura Kinney who who is a literal like science experiment that just sort of escapes and whatever, and they're recruited into this whole thing with Psylocke, and I kind of like there's there's no chemistry right now as far as I know except for like a few moments at the Krakoan campfires, okay. uh, but because they're on mission they don't get to do anything about that, and I'm just looking at these two and I'm like oh boy, um, there is something here and I like it. Has it gone anywhere? Absolutely not. But do I support it? Yes. So crack ship ahoy for me, which is now a uh, opportune time to uh, an opportune time to segue into our final uh, segment of the podcast. And hey, look, we made it. It's a short one today. We'll Charter. see though. We'll see though. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna segue. We're not. It's not done yet. We're gonna segue to featured fandom. Featured fan. Featured fandom. Featured Fandom. Okay, so for this week, what is the fandom that you are like, this is definitely where I'm going to stay, this is me. Of all the things that I love, I have stayed on this this week. So basically, Mac is trying to out me because my featured <laughs> fandom is going to be Animal Crossing New Horizons. There we go. I only recently started playing it. I know it came out over a month ago, and a lot of people have already done very impressive things on it. But I only recently <laughs> started playing things. it with my sister, Rachel. And here's the thing about Animal Crossing. It combines a lot of things that I like in my games. The kind of It's the kind of game that sort of soothes my mind from all the anxious thoughts and like obsessive thoughts that I have sometimes because it's so routine. So basically it combines the routine structure of like waking up and having tasks to do and like chores you can do for yourself. It also gives you a little bit of creative control in how you design your island, what sort of items you collect, what like house you build and stuff like that. And it also has like rewards based, a rewards based system where you get things for doing things, which is my favorite thing in the world. So Animal Crossing New Horizons, if you've never played an Animal Crossing game, this is actually my first time playing one. Essentially in this one, you are invited to join a group of people and make a deserted island your home. 
so you you are basically transported there and you start having to you know do all the basic tool the all the basic tools all the basic tasks which is like planting things chopping down trees catching bugs catching fish all of that good stuff and it's so fun um i have been really enjoying trying to get creative with it and trying to and like celebrating every single achievement i have on it i'm very obsessive about collecting things on there so that's been fun for me too um but one of my favorite aspects of the animal crossing is that i get to visit my friends online and like see their island so we get to hang out online so i do it a lot with my sister rachel because we usually play like at least once or twice a week together but then i've also gotten to see like my friend pam kristen my friend lily like it's been so fun. My friend Melissa, like, it's just wholesome and adorable. And the animation is so cute. And like, all your villagers are adorable with the exception of the one that I don't want to stay in my village, but that's nothing, that's like unrelated. Um, I'm just having a really good time with it. And I may obsessively have added it to my to-do list every single day. So it's safe to say that I'm very invested in the success of my island. I will say though, that there's a crossover featured fandom because my island uh -huh. is named Konoha because obvious reasons. And I literally <laughs> changed the theme song of the island to match one of the Naruto openings. And I also changed the flag to match the village symbol. Of course. So, cause you course. know, I got to represent my fandoms even in that game. So it's been really fun and I really love it and I it's just wholesome and perfect and such a great distraction for this uh, particular period in history awesome there you go my featured fandom for for this particular week would have to be my fandom of Garth Ennis's work now Garth Ennis um, I think is of all of the people that I sort of read and follow is the most of the is, is, is the outlier of all of my sort of like things because number one he doesn't do a lot of fantasy like there's definitely some fantasy in there, right? Um, and which we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, but but he's mostly known for like the super gritty. Like he is not me and my friends save the world. He is. I'm with a bunch of people, and these are the schmucks that we're gonna. And and, <laughs> and of course, that's a more benign term that he's usually <laughs> uses. But um, uh, but but you know, these are the schmucks that I'm gonna you know do the right thing with or get the job done with, whatever. So for those of you familiar with the boys. Uh, which recently came out on Amazon. That that was you know, his. That was his source material. He was the one who sort of came up with it in, in graphic novel form. The Boys is a series where you know what if super. Where the premise of what if superheroes were just terrible people, right? And they're just jerks. And who deals with them? Who puts them in their place? Because we see a world where all like all the heroes are heroes and all the villains are villains. Here, everyone's gray, right? Everyone's literally just what if random, normal, every average, everyday people got powers. None of that, you know, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. It just happens to be with a dude with a heart of gold, right? Uh, what if they decided to be heroes instead of villains? Mm -hmm. And from there, do really kind of weird villainous things as heroes. It's crazy. So that's The Boys. Um, another uh, series that he's done is, is Preacher, where, you know, like this actual Preacher, uh, is possessed by this uh, creature, uh, by this this thing that was the product of an unholy coupling between an angel and a demon. It is ushering in the apocalypse. It's just nuts, right? Um, he's, his, his, his work is known for, one of my favorite bits of his work, uh, by the way, was a series of sort of his historical fiction. And I don't do historical fiction, but this is like during like war, like, like the, the first uh, um, series, I think being the, the Night Witches series, loosely based on the actual female pilots back in World War II who were Russians okay. uh, fighting against like, you know, like the, the Axis powers. And uh, they would do bombing raids in the, in the night right they would fly smaller planes they were not allowed to pilot like regular planes even if they, they were absolutely capable but because they had a war effort they had a thing and they're like hey you know what fine put your lives in your own hands go bomb the heck out of um 
you know, the enemy, raid them at night, and and they're a real thing, right? Um, so it, 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 it's his work is so gritty, his work is so violent, his work is just gory and nuts, and it explores like the deepest, darkest recesses of the human like like condition. Like, what are you really capable of? What are people really capable of doing to each other? And how awesome would it be if there was a bunch of people who could stop the worst of the worst? Or had no choice but to stop the worst of the worst, which leads mm-hmm. me to one of my recent reads of Red Team, which I, I'll explain in like, uh, which I explained in a couple of uh, what we reads coming up on Alexa Loves Books, uh, the, the the YouTube channel, but um, but yeah, which which is a bunch of New York cops who have been strung around following, trying to nail this gangster type dude who was always like eight steps ahead of them, and they just decide, you know what, we wasted two years of our lives, this dude is totally like playing us, let's kill him, and they allude to. Uh, like in that world, a, a, a hit on a particular you know mobster crime gang or family, uh, where nobody knew who murdered them, uh, they just ended up dead just one day, and uh, people thought it was cops, and so and so what's what's fun about Red Team and and this is the the, the spoiler that we couldn't say on Alexa Loves Books, is they discovered that there was another set of cops that were doing worse than they were. They were also offing like the bad guys, but only so that they could get profit margins. And when they discover that it was, you know, that you know, it was those other guys, they go to war, and it's it's just, it's just nuts. It's just nuts. there's this like as a testimony to Garth Ennis's at his work. There is you know, Red Team starts off with them saying their rules. Right, we only do the worst. You know, we 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 got to make sure that these people are absolutely guilty. They have to be the worst of the worst. They have to. You know, we have to stop acting like cops. We have to do this, this, this. And once they have those set of rules, they start killing, like, random people. Actual vigilante assassinations. Which falls into my, you know, uh, approachable assassins genre. Nice and snug and fit. Which awakened my whole... Man, I do love Garth Ennis' work. It's kind of crazy. I mean, a lot of his stuff is just... Bat... Frack... Crazy. Just insane. But for the few ones that I'm just, like, happy to hand... Like, I would hand Red Team over to a friend and say, if you want some action, you want some, like, you want something that may make a great Netflix series, do Red Team. Um, and, uh, and and there's this one part at the end where, uh, you know, spoilers, um, two of their their, their team are, are, are killed in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the shootout. Uh, and the, and the, oh, that, that ensues. And when they finally sort of manage to square off and, and, and nail the guy who uh, who is in charge of the other you know set of nasty dirty cops, um, he's sitting. You know, the main character is sitting right next to, to to that bad guy, and he's like, you know, there's that banter that kind of I'm gonna die, whatever. The guy takes out his gun and starts because he see, sees his mentor is like shot and killed. He just starts narrating the the the, the mantra one by one, rule number one, rule number two, number three, and with every rule, he's emptying a bullet into this guy's you know into into this guy's torso with the last one into his head and in my end like this is super 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 violent but at the end of the day i'm like there's a poetry to that there's actual artistic like there's an art form to this kind of ultra violent uh, violent kind of genre and it's just magnificent that the 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 payoff the payback the the revenge is is just so sweetly done and 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 garth uh, has that nailed like a hundred percent like that's his deal and he does that so well i'm not even surprised that you know when i'm looking through his catalog he did some of the punisher and punisher max stuff punisher max is the ultraviolet marvel imprint where they're like we're gonna show people getting like murdered in this one uh and so not not surprised that he had a, he had a good run on punisher as well so um apparently it's one of the you know kind of dude things that I, <laughs> that i'm into 
and it's great. That's a good way of describing. Yeah, it. it's it's a it's you know it's traditionally like you know not to not to mess too much with gender norms and stuff, but um, but it's a dude thing. Like it's you know uh, it, it's 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 associated with that. Women can love it too because it's just really good action. It's lovely if you're that kind of thing. Like I remember one of my friends. She's she's lovely. She's a ballerina, but she loves John Wick. That's what she, like you wouldn't think it to look at her, but she's like I would rather watch action movies than love stories right now. Like that, like it's for her. It's like John Wick center stage. That's that's her deal. Um, and and she had some John Wick pictures uh, when we when she visited in New York. But in any case, that's the deal. Um, that's the end of the show today. I think we um, pretty much did well. It's, it's about forty minutes. Like not bad. Um, definitely one of the shorter ones. Nice and sweet. Uh, by comparison, but yeah, this is this is the the break room. This is us after a long day of you know a long uh, evening of filming, a uh, long day at work, and then uh, here we are. So hope you guys enjoyed. Hope hope everybody is staying safe and healthy. Our hearts go out to you if you are on the front lines right now and and have to just sort of be out there. Um, we just hope that uh, everybody is getting what they need, and if you're not, then our hearts go out to you. In any case, hopefully some of this has at least brought some novelty, if not necessarily some actual cheer to you if you listen. And uh, until then, we, we hope, hope you, you enjoyed, enjoyed the, the buzz. buzz. Hey, thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Fandom Buzz. You can also find us talking about our recent reads and our book hauls on youtube.com slash and find all of Alexa's book reviews on alexalovesbooks.com. Thank you.